Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you, as always, for making the podcast a part of your day. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing from Ben Mintz earlier this week. Uh, All-around good guy, and all you need to know about him and somebody like Ben is, uh, after we recorded this little podcast interview, this is, um, in case you haven't picked up on it already, uh, I do a weekly radio show, and I have my own on Sunday, so one day a week as well. This podcast is kind of like supplemental uh, coverage of specifically Ole Miss that, that we do at Super Talk. This is something I enjoy doing, of course, don't get me wrong. It's just my primary focus is on the radio side, uh, not this podcast, and yet Ben comes on anytime, even though he's, you know, big shot up in New York. And then after he comes on this little podcast, he promotes it multiple times on his social media page, as well as a video that he did uh, for Barstool. That's the kind of guy he is. So uh, if you don't know him, haven't met him or anything like that, just know that um, Ole Miss now has a representative at uh, probably now, at this point, the biggest sports media entity in the world. I mean, that's the the trajectory that they're on anyway. Uh, their podcast audience is like double ESPNs with half the shows. It's it's insane, the reach of Barstool. And you've got a guy up there that's a genuine, really good dude. Uh, that's just really what it comes down to. And so I appreciate him, of course, coming on and then also sharing it multiple times. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that will be something that we continue to do in the future. He's willing to do it, even though he's Mr. Big Shot up there. And so we uh, we, of course are glad to do so. Um, So again, thanks to Ben. Hope you enjoyed that. Today I've got a handful of things for you. Uh, By the way, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Wherever you're listening right now, hit subscribe. It'll auto-populate to your phone every day. You wouldn't believe the number of people that don't. They listen every day, but just don't hit that subscribe button. It's much easier to do it that way. And leave a rating and a review. I would uh, appreciate that if you, you know, drop me a rating and a review. That would... Uh, be greatly appreciated by me. So glad you're with me on this Friday. Weather's beautiful. Currently watching the Masters right now. Um, ESPN needs to take notes from the Masters because this app that I'm watching golf on right now, um, it is smooth. It's fluid. I can do picture in picture. There's the interface is stunning. Everything about the Masters app and the live watching experience of the Masters through their app is flawless and phenomenal. And I know Augusta National, like, you know, it's it's an extremely wealthy place. Like, I, I get it. But you can't tell me that ESPN doesn't have the financial capital to make their app function the same way that the Masters app does. I can't tell you the number of times. I'm using the same internet right now that I use during baseball season. Nothing has changed. It's on the same device. I'm watching it on my iPad, literally next to my computer right now. It's the same device. It's the same internet. The Masters is working flawlessly. I have two different feeds up at the same time within my iPad. I could do four. I tested it earlier, and it worked just fine. I can do that to watch the Masters. But I can't go through two innings of college baseball without my app crashing. ESPN, and they're in partnership with the Masters. ESPN needs to sit down with whoever does this app 
Whoever came up with it, whoever produces it, and what whatever it takes, ESPN needs to find these people and sit down and use their technology on the ESPN app. Because baseball season's coming pretty quickly. I don't know if you've noticed, it's almost the middle of November already. It's almost the middle of November as Rory hits it into the water on 16. God, he's struggling. Um, baseball's coming soon. And... 90% of the baseball games you have to watch on the app. And I, I've tweeted about this, especially last season, and I'm not the only one that has this problem. The app crashes all the freaking time. All the time. You're at Augusta right now. You've got college game day there this weekend. Talk to the developers and get it right, because this is incredible what I'm watching right now. And I can't, I'm telling you, I can't get through an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State baseball game without it crashing half a dozen times. It's like clockwork. And nothing at all has changed except for the app that I'm using. Anyway, the aerial views, by the way, that they're incorporating this year, I don't know if it's something that they'll do moving forward. I hope so. Uh, But if you've watched the Masters at all, you've noticed that they are giving you better views using drones and stuff of the golf course, and it it really shows you the elevation changes and just the stunning beauty of the place, and I hope that's something they do moving forward. Um, I I love it, and everybody says this, uh, literally everybody, but because it's true, you cannot possibly appreciate the elevation change there unless you see it, but these new camera angles that they're using, the drones and stuff like that, are at least giving you the kind of perspective that you need when you watch this tournament. Like the bunkers on five, for example. The fairway bunkers on five. Off the tee, they don't look like much, and the guys are hitting out of them. If they're in the bunker, and you are on the right side of the fairway where they let the patrons stand to watch number five, you can't see the player inside the bunker. Can't see them. And same thing like with number 10. The elevation change on 10 is so dramatic that it's it's hard to like even there's nothing that they can do to show it but these aerial views and as I'm talking about this they're showing one right now it at least gives you some kind of appreciation of the elevation change of Augusta National there is not any at any point on that golf course a shot where there's not some kind of elevation that you're dealing with I mean, it's the whole course and the the greens like six, for example, it looks like they laid an elephant down on its side and put the green over top of it on six. That's the kind of elevation you're working with, and it just TV just never does that place justice. But with the aerial views, you're getting a pretty good perspective. So shout out to the Masters for getting a little bit more innovative and letting us see more of the golf course. And again, like I said, ESPN, you're going to be there this weekend. You need and Phil lips out on 18 for what would have been a 68, I think. But still, really good round for Phil and Tiger at the top of the leaderboard. Leaderboard's great, but ESPN needs to get in touch with somebody to fix their app because this is flawless, and uh, they're blowing it, especially on the college baseball side. They're blowing it right now. And because of cancellations, I mean, the Masters was always going to deal with um, a ratings issue, if that's your thing. I'm I kind of nerd out on television ratings, um, especially when it comes to sports and like it's just something I look at. Everybody's got their niche, and when it comes to people in sports media, that's mine. I really pay attention to and would like to think I have a good grasp on ratings and why they are what they are, 
and their trends and stuff like that. It's something that I'm interested in. The Masters this weekend was always going to have issue with their viewership number because they're competing with football for the first time ever. But man, we got another cancellation uh, of college football. I think that's 12 games this weekend that will not be played. So it was Coastal Carolina and Troy now is the the most uh, recent cancellation. That was supposed to be an ESPN game. Um, It's pretty much uh, scarce, the weekend slate right now. The SEC, as you know, only has four games. Uh, upcoming this weekend, one of which is not involving Arkansas's coach because he's in quarantine. Excuse me, I said four games. It's down to three. It's down to three. It's Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, and Ole Miss. And when I'm looking at the rest of the slate, South Carolina, Ole Miss might be the game of the night. So you've got Notre Dame, Boston College, eh. Oregon, Washington State, maybe. Wisconsin, Michigan. Um... So yeah, Ole Miss right there uh, as far as marquee games that night. I mean, a lot of people nationally will watch Wisconsin-Michigan because of the brand, but uh, there will be a lot of eyes tuned in almost by default to uh, to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss on Saturday night. So an opportunity there to get people to watch. But uh, on the Masters side of things, I think, you know, deep down, they would never admit this out loud, but I think deep down they're... Um, not upset that a lot of these college football games have gotten canceled or postponed because more attention now will be played or paid on on their tournament. And Sunday, they've just got a mess because the final round will end, they hope, at about 3 o'clock, and you've got Saints 49ers at 3.30, but NFL games in the noon window competing with the Masters is tough uh, for them. So the number is going to be smaller, but the leaderboard looks good. Weather's going to be amazing. Your college football Saturday's kind of been ruined until you get to Ole Miss, South Carolina, far after the Masters has ended. So a uh, a chance for you to watch a lot of golf this weekend and not feel like you're missing anything because, I mean, quite frankly, there's not really a whole lot to miss uh, when it comes to college football this weekend. However, you do get Ole Miss and South Carolina. Both teams appear to be good to go uh, as of 8. 30 is uh, while I'm talking right now on this Friday morning. Uh, Ole Miss in South Carolina is good to go this weekend. And uh, we'll start with the most important thing, and that's uniforms. So it's uh, Military Appreciation Day, and they're wearing the uh, that uh, American flag decal that you saw, ironically, they used against South Carolina recently, um, with the powder helmet and the powder top with presumably white pants. And I, I got a text last night from a friend asking me, you know, it's Military Appreciation Day. Ole Miss's colors are red, white, and blue. Why are they wearing powder? Well, um, maybe they probably should have just gone with a red, white, and blue uniform on Military Appreciation Day. But the reason why they're going with these powders is pretty simple. And one, Lane Kiffin might just like them. I mean, it could be that simple. But when it comes to uniforms and making uniform choices... Uh, as good of a traditional uniform as Ole Miss has, it's one of the best in college football, but it's not considered like iconic. It's not on the same level of like an Alabama, if you can believe it. In part, that's because uh, the teams haven't been very good, so people haven't noticed that much. But you can uh, get away with altering your uniform. Hell, 
Ohio State does alternates all the time and uniform adjustments and, and things like that and throwbacks all the time. So if Ohio State's not too good for it, either are you. But people notice the powder blue. I don't know if you've picked up on it, whether it's accidental or it's just kind of like some PR genius. Lane Kiffin knows how to get in front of people. Have you noticed that? Lane Kiffin gets people talking about him and the team he coaches for. You probably knew more about Florida Atlantic football than you ever could have imagined because Lane Kiffin was there. The same thing's happening at Ole Miss. He, there's something about him that just knows how to get people to talk about him, whether it's the complaining about, not really complaining about officiating on Twitter, but the, the retweet that got him the fine and then the penny thing. And he just knows the, the masks where he's wearing the numbers of former players on his face. And now he's got the come to the sip thing, um, which is their recruiting hashtag. It's, it's like everything he does, whether it's intentional or accidental, is really good PR. He knows how to get people talking about and paying attention to his program. It's like he knows how to go viral, and going viral nowadays helps you a lot. There might be some people, older people, that don't quite understand what he's doing, but everything he's done since he's gotten the job at Ole Miss has worked getting people talking about him. Like I said, I think it was last week, or it may have been Monday, but people were obsessed over a 1-4 and football team. Obsessed over it because of the way he just approaches things. And that's why the powder is going to be something that they continue to do. Hell, you might even see uniform tweaks. You might see new helmets and new pants and stuff like that because that gets people talking about you. And the powder uniform, the powder helmets are something that get people talking about and looking at Ole Miss. For some reason, the country loves them. They just love them. It's, it's a great-looking color, and people around college football love them. And so every time Ole Miss wears them, it becomes a little headline. It's a little story. It gets shared on CBS and ESPN and all over Twitter, and it gets people talking about Ole Miss. And just if they were just going to wear blue, blue helmets, blue uniforms, gray pants with the logo on the helmet, nobody would talk about Ole Miss. But this weekend, even if it's just a little bit, People are going to talk about you. Oh, wow, Ole Miss is wearing those powders again. Look at how great they are. And also, recruits love them. Recruits love new stuff and new uniforms and things that are different, and they love that. So I know it frustrates people. I guess it's a long-winded way to say some people want Ole Miss to have only the uniforms they have and to never change them because it's a really good look, and you're not wrong. It's a really good look. But the reason they're doing this is because people pay attention when you do. That's why. And when you're at a place like Ole Miss that doesn't have the advantages and stuff that LSU and Alabama have, you've got to get in front of people in more creative ways. You've got to wear some different jerseys sometimes. You've got to get your coach tweeting about pennies sometimes. That's what you have to do. And it's working, and that's why they're doing it here. And it might just be as simple as Kiffin likes the color and likes the jerseys. I mean, it really could be that simple. But I think there's a little bit more to it than that. The people in the athletic department know that this gets you attention. People pay attention. And the fans like it for the most part. Everybody I, t I talk to on a regular basis loves the color. 
And it, it's deeply rooted in Ole Miss tradition. I mean, it's not like it's a color they just pulled out of their rear end. It's It came from somewhere with a good story behind it. So, unlike, you know, mascots of the past, even though the bear was fine, I'm not going to get into that today, but there was no story. It was just, oh, well, the students voted. And the election results were kind of sketchy. This is, well, powder blue came from a mistake. And they had to wear them, and it ended up being a helmet for a while, if I understand that story correctly. It belongs in Ole Miss history. And so you're pulling a, a tradition out and expanding it and making it your brand, and it's really cool. So, anyway, they are wearing powder this weekend. Um, and this might be the week where it comes, everything comes together for Ole Miss. And I, I say this on the radio show a good bit. I hate making takes like this one because I can't quantify it. I can't say what I'm about to say, which is I think this is the week for Ole Miss that everything comes together. It's a culmination of a lot of good things they've done sporadically, and this week they put it all together and they beat South Carolina pretty significantly. That's what I think is going to happen. But I can't quantify that. You know, I can't point to here's a stat that says Ole Miss is going to do that or or anything like that. It's just uh, kind of like a blind opinion. And I don't like making them all that often with some kind of backing behind it. But I'm going to do that today. I don't know why I feel this way other than the fact that I just feel this way. When you look at this season in totality, you had the opening game against Florida, offensive explosion, defense couldn't get a stop. You beat Kentucky, but still defense could not I mean, get a stop until midway through the second half. And... Inept Kentucky offense ran all over Ole Miss in that game. And they lose to Alabama in, in the same way. And then the Arkansas game happens where Matt Corral throws half a hundred interceptions. And then Auburn happens where you did the quarterback shuffling and, and that was a problem. And then you had a bad call from the officials. And then that you lose that game when you probably shouldn't have. And then Vanderbilt, we'll just kind of put that aside because they of how simply bad that they are, uh, they're that bad. This week, I think, might be the week where Ole Miss finally puts it together against an opponent that matters, with all due respect to Vanderbilt, even though they're not due that much. I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel like this week the offense will click like it really has, I mean, basically all season. Um, The offense will click, they'll run the football, they'll throw the football, I think defensively they're going to look the best they have all season because even though the opponents have gotten worse, and that has contributed to it some, Mac Jones is having an elite-level year. Kyle Trask is doing the same thing, so it's hard to hold that against Ole Miss considering how good those two teams are. But then, you know, Kentucky happened. Um, They are getting better on that side of the ball. It's hard to tell because they still lack personnel that can make them a good defense, but they are getting better. You can see it. They are improving on that side of the ball. It's happening. Um, so I think this is the week where everything comes together, where the the offense is as good as it has been, corrals the guy, doesn't make many mistakes, even though they've got to deal with J.C. Horn. More on him in a second. The defense is going to continue to play well, and I think this will be the Saturday where Ole Miss puts together a complete performance. I don't know why I feel that way, other than I just do. I wish I could give you more than that, but it feels like, uh, they've held together. I mean, not having really any COVID cases after they sent everybody home, I think is a pretty pretty big deal. Um, uh, Halloween has kind of... Okay, 
there's no way to prove this, but Ross Dellinger is intimating it as well. So, and if he's saying it, then I feel comfortable in this. Halloween has really ruined it for a lot of people because um, a lot of guys and a lot of teams decided that protocols weren't worth not going to the Halloween party. Um, I feel like that happened as well. They seem to have survived all of that, and uh, the team is in pretty good shape right now. There's only a couple of guys that will miss the game Saturday. We don't know who that's going to be until the game. But still, uh, they seem to be in a good spot COVID-wise. They seem to be in a good spot motivation-wise. Everything seems to be feeling good and comfortable for Ole Miss right now. And they just played their most complete game of the season, albeit against Vanderbilt, which they would have just been better off scrimmaging amongst themselves than playing that game. I think this is the weekend where they put it all together. They've got an opponent coming in in South Carolina right now that is gettable, and that is putting it nicely. And, of course, the game is at home, which helps to some degree with a socially distanced crowd. Um, South Carolina is in a world of hurt right now. I told you earlier in the week that Will Muschamp says they're looking at all three of their quarterbacks. Uh, They've only really played two, but mostly just one. I mean, Colin Hill's been their guy, and he's been awful. Uh, He shows flashes of talent, but uh, consistency is a huge issue. Um... I just don't think he's very good. I am shocked, to tell you the truth. I am absolutely shocked that it took a 48-3 to blowout last week against Texas A&M for us to see any bit of Ryan Holinsky. I am shocked by that. I think the program kind of did wrong by him because uh, there's no possible way, no possible way at all that you can convince me that he would have been any worse than Colin Hill's been all season long. But they bring in Bobo, and that's Bobo's guy, and so they had to play him. I don't know what the hell they're going to do at quarterback this weekend, and honestly, I don't think it really matters that much, especially if right now they're trying to decide who they're going to start. If Muschamp was telling the truth and they're really looking at all three, uh, as you guys know, that's a disaster. And it looked to me like they quit last Saturday. Um, This is not... At least it doesn't feel like it's a situation that you've seen before where teams really love their coach and they're going to play hard for their coach because they know that he might lose his job. They looked like they quit last Saturday. And maybe that was just last Saturday and we'll see right now this week. And it's totally different. And they love their guy. And they're not going to let him get fired as they sit here at 2-4. and But I saw a team last week that quit. That was a team that got smoked by LSU, who's bad, and a team that got smoked by Texas A&M, 48-3. And in that second half, they were done. They had quit. They were getting booed on their own field by their fans, loudly. You could hear it through the television. They were getting booed at home. It's over. The fans mostly have already moved on to, like, uh, wondering if Craig Sankey's going to let them hire Hugh Freeze. I mean, that's the point where where South Carolina people are at right now. And if the team is reflecting that attitude, um, it's going to be ugly uh, yet again, you've got one team that's motivated, that's focused, that has a goal that they can still achieve, and that's going to a bowl game for Ole Miss. They have a coach that they like, an offense that's explosive, uh, everything, and they're at home. And South Carolina, on the other side, can't decide who the hell they're going to play at quarterback, even though they've been not playing the more talented one right now. And so if you see Holinsky, maybe that changes things. I doubt it changes much. But they've got quarterback shuffling. They've got a slow unimaginative, terrible offense. They've got a fan base that's quit. 
They got a team that looked like they quit last Saturday, and they've been smoked in two consecutive weeks. I mean, everything, every sign points to Ole Miss being able to control and dominate this game. But yeah, they've I've gotten uh, some friends from back home asking me about Hugh Freeze at South Carolina. Um, it certainly seemed like in uh, the aforementioned Ross Dillinger's recent story about Hugh Freeze that the SEC office is not going to allow that. There would have to be a thorough vetting, I think was the exact terminology, before they would sign off on that, and I don't think that the thorough vetting would get passed. I don't think that'll happen. I think South Carolina would be insane not to make Billy Napier the focus of their search and hire him. But anyway, uh, that's where the fans uh, are focused on. Now, I think South Carolina's got a pretty good running back, and this might uh, cause some trouble in this game because South Carolina is going to really want to slow the pace down. They really run like a late 90s offense. It's very slow. I mean, this is Mike Bobo, the same guy that was at Georgia that ran these slow, just run the football offenses. You guys remember uh, Georgia and Mike Bobo at the time. But Kevin Harris is a pretty good back. I think he's a guy that um, can give Ole Miss fits tomorrow or today if you're listening on Saturday um, and really shrink the game. Because I know if I was Will Muschamp, I would want to keep Ole Miss's offense off the field as much as possible. So this style of play might work in their favor this week, considering you have a quality back, Ole Miss struggles to stop the run, and they're so explosive offensively. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss kind of stacks the box, forces one of the three quarterbacks to beat you vertically, and if they do that, you tip your hat. But they haven't shown it so far this year that they can take the top off and beat anybody through the air. So... Focus on stopping Kevin Harris. They have got to play their most uh, complete game up front if they want to win. Because I like Kevin Harris. I don't think he's as good as Tank Bigsby. I told you that on Wednesday. But he's a good back. He's a good player. Pretty physical guy. Ole Miss has to be tough on defense uh, in this game. They have to be physical because I think that's what South Carolina is going to try to do to them. And then on the other side, they have a first-rounder potentially at corner and J.C. Horn. I don't know how they're going to use him. I would be surprised, really, if they just try to get him on an island with Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore is a slot guy, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to defend him because they do have an elite-level corner, Um, and so maybe that's what they go with. Maybe that's what they decide, and so somebody else for Ole Miss is going to have to step up. South Carolina doesn't have anybody besides J.C. Horn that can cover Kenny Yaboa. But somebody else at receiver's got to do it. Whether it's Jonathan Mingo, somebody like that might have to step up this week because South Carolina does have a guy, if they do put him on Elijah Moore, that can at least maybe not take him away because I don't know if anybody's capable of taking him away, but make it more difficult to get Elijah Moore the football. They have that guy, Joe Horn's kid uh, in J.C. Horn, that can really do that, that can, can cover. Elijah Moore. He can do it. Um, So somebody else has to make plays vertically for Ole Miss to open things up. But I think they'll be able to do it. Like I said, it's a team that looks like they've quit. Uh, I think they really are comparable talent-wise to Ole Miss everywhere, but Ole Miss is far more explosive offensively. So an interesting game, but a gettable game. And for some reason, I feel like they're just, they're going to put it all together, put it all together this week, if I could speak English this morning. 
and um, really dominate this game. That is what I expect. So we'll turn that page now to picks. And uh, Ole Miss minus the 11, I would take Ole Miss minus 11 in that game. The over-under is 70. Um, that's a big, big number. I don't know if I would touch that, but uh, the 11 points, absolutely. Uh, Arkansas is a 17.5-point dog at Florida. I think um, as good of a story as Arkansas is, as fun as, as it's been to watch and as interesting of a storyline as Felipe Frank, Franks' return to Florida is, um, even with 17.5 points, I think Florida will dominate this game. Uh, Arkansas is a good story, but um, it took six interceptions, two of which returned for touchdowns for them to beat Ole Miss. I think Arkansas is kind of, kind of fool's gold a little bit. I think they were brought back down to earth against Texas A&M. I think the same thing is going to happen here in Gainesville. I, I like the Gators, and I like the Gators big. And then I'll take Vanderbilt plus the 17 in Kentucky because I don't think either team can score. The over-under is 42, so you might want to smash the under uh, there as well. Those are your three SEC games this weekend. That's it. That's all you've got. Uh, so enjoy uh, your Masters. But one last thing for you, by the way. One more thing. Uh, I saw this yesterday. Uh, David Johnson of uh, the uh, Ole Miss 24-7 site uh, reported, I believe it was yesterday. I think uh, it was yesterday. I hope so. That um, Ole Miss Texas A&M is in jeopardy. So if I can get this report pulled up for you. I should have had it. I thought I had it. I don't know where it went. Uh, that Ole Miss Texas A&M is in jeopardy. So here's what David said: Ole Miss's game at Texas A&M, set for November 21st, will likely not be played, according to trusted sources. Is what he says. Uh, those sources told him that next week is likely 99% canceled. I don't know how you can not be 100% canceled, but hey, that is just uh, what it says here. Uh, the Texas A&M program, which was forced to postpone its game with Tennessee this weekend, is do- dealing with major COVID-19 issues. Jimbo Fisher said in a statement that the uh, their roster has fallen beneath the SEC threshold in order to compete because of two players testing positive for COVID and then the contact tracing that came with uh, a road trip to go along with that. So they, uh, they did practice this week or have practice this week for players that were not uh, having to be in quarantine because of that. But um, they have to quarantine for 14 days, regardless. And it's possible that Ole Miss and Texas A&M don't play next week because of that 14-day quarantine, which is going to ruin this season if they don't make an adjustment. It's going to ruin the season if they don't make some kind of adjustment to it because two positives canceling a game should not happen. Canceling two games, I should say. Should not happen. I get why they're not playing this weekend. But the fact that nothing can change between, what, Tuesday or Monday of this week for next Saturday, for next Saturday, doesn't make any sense at all. And the SEC just kind of allowing this to happen is kind of mind-blowing, but something needs to be done. Something needs to change because Ben Roethlisberger was in close contact with somebody and if by Sunday he's still churning out negative tests, he can play. That makes sense. I get not playing this weekend. I, I mean, 
I, I certainly understand that you don't just want to throw guys out there a day after they came into close contact with somebody. I get that. But the fact that you're making them wait two full weeks before they can play again is just not rooted in reality, and, and yet here we are. So two positives are potentially going to end two games for Texas A&M, and that is simply unacceptable. And I am, frankly, surprised that the SEC hasn't made an alteration to it. Maybe they're considering it now after Alabama uh, can't play this weekend because of that, and you know what the SEC does when Alabama has uh, trouble. So maybe that will be the catalyst that changes things uh, for the rest of this season. They either need to move the SEC championship back uh, Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, yesterday said that uh, they're considering moving the college football playoff back. That seems like that's the smart thing to do and something that uh, they need to just go ahead and do uh, because Ohio State now has a cancellation. Uh, they're, they're not playing Maryland this weekend, and they don't have room in their schedule to make that up. Who could have seen that coming? But uh, they need to move the SEC championship back and end this 14-day quarantine for close contact. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It's nonsense. I get one game, but two games just is just stupid, honestly. And if Ole Miss and Texas A&M can't play next weekend, it's a failure on the SEC's part. That's all it is, is a failure on their part. So, The show, by the way, brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. Uh, Weather this weekend going to be beautiful. I'm getting some steaks myself for the grill tonight and ribs tomorrow. Going to be a good weekend behind the grill. Make sure you start your weekend at LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. By the way, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Uh, Always glad to hear from you guys on there. That's my primary social media account, so if you got it, uh, follow me there. You know, if you want to send me a message, feedback, anything like that, I'm happy uh, to read and respond to those messages. So uh, I get them from you guys from time to time, and I'm always glad uh, to hear from you. We will do a post-game Periscope uh, tomorrow night. We'll be late, but we're going to do it. Uh, kickoff's at 6.30, so it might be around 10 by the time we get to it, but we will do one. Uh, after the Ole Miss and South Carolina game, and that will be uploaded here. So if you don't watch Periscope, you will get a post-game reaction right here on this podcast feed. So thank you again for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy your Masters. I know I'm going to do that. Enjoy your football, and I'll talk to you again on Saturday night. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.